Today's Tuesday, February 6, 2024. My name is Jaron Jackson. I do love America. For me, it's always about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. I was a little bit late today because I'm writing another notice and I want to present it to you today. I don't want to delay. I want it to be short so that people can actually take action. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Which, having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest? How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man." Our nation is being destroyed, and our nation is being destroyed because we have been, we people, have been sluggards. We have not taken the time to learn the law or to apply it, and so without complaining, I just want to give remedy. I do, however, want to direct your attention to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. I will say this. You're already spending money. You're probably giving it to globalist companies who are pushing godlessness down our throats. They are likely participating in the replacement of the American people with all of these aliens. And so if you want to use your money to not participate in that, go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. There are over 450 household products delivered right to your door whenever you order them. Join the private membership association. If you sign up, myself or someone with me will give you a call. I am going to do my best to do it today or tomorrow, but whenever I do stuff like this, notice it takes time and that's where my fight is. So you can bless me by going to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, hearing how you can use your money to benefit uh, yourself, American manufacturing, to take it away from the globalists. But when you shop, that's whenever I get a benefit and that's how I continue to do what I do. So that's where you can help me in that regard, and that allows me to continue to get directed to the remedy. What I want to do today is I want to point out what we can do as people to start telling um, you know, government officials what's wrong uh, regarding immigration. This is one of my hot-button issues is immigration, and so I want to move my camera down here like this. And I want to just go through it. A notice is just for information. I don't want that. I want a zoom and I want to go bigger. Yeah, there we go. All right. Oh, well, that spells wrong. Um, so what I want to do is this is a notice that if I were in Oklahoma, or I'm, I'm sorry, if you were in Oklahoma, this is who you would write it to. So if I'm in Texas, what we want to do is we want to write it to the governor. We want to write this to the uh, state senate pro tem, the guy that's in charge of the state senate. We want to write this to the state speaker of the house. So we want to write this to the state level leadership to tell them where their power is. 
we also want to tell it to our federal delegation. Now, if you're in Texas, I'm in Oklahoma, so we got five reps and two senators, which is seven people. You, if you're in Texas, are going to have a lot more. If you're in California, you're going to have a lot more. So don't go crazy like that. What I would do is if you think that someone is supportive, uh, and or I should say, if you want, if there are people who are looking at the invasion of illegals into our nation as a bad thing, send this to them. You want them to have the law and the power to say what the law is in this issue. Okay, I want to try to keep it short, so I'm just going to go through it. This is a notice of constitution as an express trust, demand of strict observance to constitutions, and unlawful commercial presumption in immigration. Notice to agent is notice to principal. Notice to principal is notice to agent. I want to say this before we get started. Most people speaking about immigration are complaining about immigration. Very few of them will actually tell you the law. So please keep that in mind whenever you give your attention to other people because if they're just complaining, that is a tactic to keep you word up and angry so that you don't know the law. I only want to know about the law so that we get righteous government so that God's, uh, so that the, the church can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now we can do that with good government or bad government. I believe that God's wisdom for governing nations is so good that you can get righteous government by using words on a piece of paper, which is what we're doing here. So I, Jaron Jackson, one of the people, as seen in Oklahoma Constitution, Article 2, Section 1, Republican in form, so that's the form of government that's open to the affairs of all people. It's, it's I should say, its administration is open uh, to all people. Sui juris, which means by right, no legal handicap. Do serve you, Kevin Stitt, Charles McCall, Greg Treat, James Langford, Mark Wayne Mullen, Kevin Hearn, Josh Burkeen, Frank Lucas, Tom Tom Cole and Stephanie Bice. Those are my uh, governor right here. This is the Speaker of the House. This is the Senate Pro Tem. This is a senator. That is a senator. Kevin Hearn is District 1. Josh Burkeen is District 2. Frank Lucas, District 3. Tom Cole, District 4. Stephanie Bice, District 5. So there are your uh, three uh, you know, people in Oklahoma and your seven people at the federal delegation. I do send this notice by necessity. So this is an overwhelming force. We are telling people something is really, 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 really bad right now. That you do provide immediate due care. You owe me something. Due care means it's your duty. You have to give me due care and due regard because you work for me. Please take notice that the people have assembled and demand strict observance of the constitutions regarding the imminent danger to the public safety posed by the invasion of unlawful aliens. We're coming right out the gate and saying we're being invaded. It's a threat to public safety. We are in imminent danger. Okay. Now we want to say, please take note, uh, notice that John Locke, a leading authority on the American constitutions, declared government is an express or tacit trust. This is where I want to say that go ahead and follow my uh, friend and mentor in the law, David Jose. He's at Real Dave Cares for you on Twitter. Uh, but when John Locke says that this is an express or tacit trust, it says this means the precise language of the trust indenture called the Constitution is the law. Nothing more, nothing less. The nation observed this declaration by the Supreme Court in its recent Bruin decision. Right. So what we want to do here is we want to show the uh, the evidence. John Locke, two treaties of government. 
Book 2, Chapter 15, Section 171. Secondly, political power is that power which every man, having in a state of nature, has given up into the hands of society, and therein to the governors whom the society hath set over it, with this express or tacit trust. This is John Locke calling government an express, written, or tacit, unwritten trust. Now you can see this with, if you go to his book, what's it called, John Locke, there it is, book two, it's on page 168 of this PDF, but you want to make sure that you get the originals because some of the abridged versions actually take this language out, which is bad. So book two, chapter 15, section 171, right there with this express or tacit trust, right? So that shows that government in America is established by an express or tacit trust. We have constitutions, which are written. Those written documents are express trusts which means the words expressly written on them is the law. You cannot smuggle in meaning. You cannot infer meaning. You cannot change meaning from the historical usage of the word. They are exactly what they say. That's what this says. Maxim of law. He does contrary to the law who does what the law prohibits. I can't spell. Where are you at? Prohibits. Prohibits. He acts in fraud of the law who? So this is if you're acting in fraud. You act in fraud who? The letter of the law being inviolate uses the law contrary to its intention. What we're going to say is that the U.S. Constitution does not have the word immigration. Very plainly, there is no such thing as immigration uh, in, the, um, uh, in the, uh, the U.S. Constitution. It's weird that I have to snap in order to get my brain to think like that. Uh, go ahead and look at HumbleWB.coffee, HumbleWB.coffee. If you want delicious air-roasted coffee, you can go there. The purpose of that private membership association is to distribute Bibles throughout the nation because we need the Word of God. You get a free benefit of coffee delivered right to your door. That's at HumbleWB.coffee. Uh, please take notice that the U.S. Constitution grants uh, Congress powers to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. Naturalization confers benefit to an alien present in the nation. Congress' first legislative action on naturalization, the Naturalization Act of 1790, 1 Stat 103, and the reason why I put it in brackets is that it's something called the Four Corners Rule, which is just a custom and a usage that anything on a law instrument that is in brackets like that is not actually on the page. So you don't want to put it in the parentheses because if you do that, it is regarded as though you're putting it on that page. And if you put it on that page, if you're using constitutional provision, but then you use statute in parentheses, what you've just done is you've used a statutory authority, which then opens up the door for lawyers or government to then start using other statutory provision, which may be construed as in, uh, you know, uh, in collision with what you're saying. So because we want to keep to the fundamental law, we're only going to say what the fundamental law is. So when we quote or cite statutes that are derivative, we're always going to put that in brackets because we don't actually want that to be on the page. The Naturalization Act of 1790, 1 Stat 103, reveals this precision. So the Naturalization Act reveals the precision of what? that government is an express or tacit trust, specifically that Congress grants powers to establish uniform rule of naturalization, which confers benefit to aliens that are in the nation. That's a precise argument. They revealed this precision when it reads, the Naturalization Act of 1790, that any alien being a free white person who shall have resided within 
the limits and under the jurisdiction of the United States. So putting this qualification right there, they're literally saying that alien has not come here, that alien has been here, right? Now, if the alien has been here for two years, then naturalization can be a benefit that the United States confers to that alien. But keep in, keep in mind, this does not specify that the United States uh, government is the one that controls the immigration of people to the United States. So this means after 19, or excuse me, before 1790, I will assert, and I make the claim, and I'm going to show you in the law, where the states are sovereign and they police their own, the, the, the people in their territory. So that if after 1790, it's the law of the United States, the uniform rule of naturalization, that you have to have lived there for two years and be a white person before you can become a citizen, that means that that doesn't allow you just to come because you want to. It means that if you are in a state, after you come from Ireland or Germany or whatever, if the state allows you to be there, then after you've been there for two years, then the United States government, which is different from the state government, the United States government can say, now you're naturalized. Now we're going to confer this benefit. But do not miss the precision that it says, who shall have resided within the limits and jurisdiction of the United States. In statutory construction, it is explicit. So when it says you shall have resided within the limits, it is specifically speaking about the people who have been present in the United States, the territory there uh, for two years. Okay. United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4, to establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies throughout the United States. So that there right there is a rule of naturalization. Rule is not law, by the way. I'll just, I'll just point that out. Maximum of law. Law is a general rule of adherence to external acts. Right? So here we want the general rule is the adherence to the external acts. So if the uh, law, which is the Constitution, grants Congress the ability to make rules for naturalization, notice that is not the same thing as a law regarding immigration to the United States. It's saying that the United States is making rules for naturalization, which is conferring, giving benefits to aliens. An alien is a foreigner. And this is where our thinking has to be unmangled. We have been taught in public school and with Hollywood reinforcement and just the way that we speak about the law, we have been trained to think of ourselves as members of a body politic instead of free people made in God's image. This means that when we hear government, we hear master. We hear the power in charge. We don't think of ourselves as voluntarily associating with that entity. See, the state of Oklahoma is just a piece of paper. The United States government is just a piece of paper. It's the document that's written on. That's an entity. It's, it's just a piece of paper. When you are talking about being a citizen, you are talking about being a member who's participating in this piece of paper. The piece of paper can include such activities as voting, driving, those types of things. Now, for the, the people that are hearing me saying, well, driving, that's a right to liberty. Yes, amen. But please focus on what we're saying. 
the state, an entity, piece of paper, an entity, an entity cannot uh, legislate your right. See, Jaron is the real flesh and blood man, not this piece of paper. So if Jaron voluntarily associates with the people that are organizing according to the ideas on this piece of paper, then Jaron is going to obey the rules that are according to this piece of paper. But I can live my life without voluntarily associating with the people on this piece of paper. And if I do that, then I'm using my rights from God. So my rights from God have nothing to do with this piece of paper. This piece of paper could have its own rules, its own codes, its own statutes. Whenever I and you and everybody else voluntarily associates as though we're on this piece of paper, we go by the rules of this piece of paper. That's called statutes. That's called regulation. That's called codes. What this is saying is that whenever there is a law, you have to understand that the Constitution is the, is the piece of paper that has the text on it. So there is no greater authority in this government than this document, and this document was made by people like me. So I am not the piece of paper. The piece of paper is not me. I'm getting way off track. I'm just teaching stuff at this point, but let's just, let's just get focused. But it's, it, we've been trained to think that we're members of a civic body. And as a result of that, we think about what's written as in, in pursuance of this piece of paper. When we should be recognizing God made us and we made government. When that goes from your head to your heart, then you'll be a boss. Please take notice that the United States Constitution grants Congress the power to regulate commerce. Commerce is the trading, buying, and selling of goods. Congress first attempts at regulating immigration, not expressly, uh, I'll say this, which is, which is not expressly written in the Constitution, was seen in the Steerage Act of 1819, which is 3 Stat 488A, again in the brackets. This is the time that I will shamelessly try to point you to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. Folks, what I just did was I did the time, I took the time, I did the research to figure out the very first time the U.S. Congress ever tried to say anything regarding immigration. Not naturalization, immigration. That takes time. That takes the ability to figure out where things are, to ask the question, to do the research. So if you take your money and switch it over to American manufacturing, as soon as you shop, I get benefit, which is how this is able to be done. So if what I'm doing is blessing, encouraging, inspiring, equipping you, please consider joining at patriotswitch.com slash Jaren. But this was the Steerage Act of 1819. The history of this is that there were a bunch of people immigrating to the United States. And so this was the time when the United States was just kind of had its op its doors open. Hey, come on over. Bring it on over. Let's let's come. It's a new nation. People were leaving Europe because Europe was aristocratic. This is where you've got people like, um, what's his face? Alex de Tocqueville comes over. Uh, Euro the European aristocrats are seeing all their, a lot of their people move to America. Why? Because it's free. They have rights. But the fact that they were open-doored immigrating doesn't mean that the U.S. Constitution grants the federal government the power of regulation. It shows that the states at this time were just all about bringing them all in. Come on in. Bring them all in. That has to be distinguished. The U.S. federal government 
did not have the power to tell the state of New York what to do or not to do. So what happens in the Steerage Act of 1819, you had a couple people looking at the conditions of people coming to the United States. And they were, they were dying. The, the conditions on the boats were bad. And so the Steerage Act of 1819 was aimed at improving the conditions on the vessel, the ship. And so the presumption that the U.S. federal government used to pass the Steerage Act of 1819 was that of commerce. And here's where we read, which presumed immigration as a commercial activity and legislated authority regarding the instruments of navigation, which is a vessel. The U.S. federal government was regulating the vessels, not the people. So by regulating the vessels and not the people, the U.S. federal government asserted it presumed commercial control, commercial authority over that activity. Does that make sense? Okay. So when it reads that, quote, it, that if the master or other person on board any ship or vessel, now I, yeah, there, it's, it's a two-page document. I'm not going to quote the whole thing, but this is the very beginning. It's setting the qualifications. The statute, 3 Stat 488A, is only applicable on these vessels coming to America. And it details about the tonnage, the weight, the numbers of people whatsoever. But it's doing that to improve the quality of life on the vessel. But it's regulating the vessel, which is a commercial presumption. So then, in this, we get to this. United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3. To regulate commerce with foreign nations among the several states and with the Indian tribes. What the U.S. Congress was doing was it was saying, when people come from not America to America, the U.S. federal government didn't like the conditions of, the, of that trip. So because it could not stop New York from keeping people out or taking people in, the U.S. Congress extended its reach and said, we're going to just start regulating the ships that come to the United States, which is what this is. Okay, Maxim of law. The, uh, the law, I should have said this, the law compels no one to show that which is presumed not to know. Now go slow on this. Go slow on this. The law. So what's the law in America? Uh, the constitutions. So the law compels no one. So the law is not going to force anyone to show, which means to, to show in writing or to show by mouth, to declare. The law compels no one to show that which he is presumed not to know. This means that if it is not my presumption to know a thing, then I can't be forced to show that I don't know it, right? So right now, right now, you, because you've never been taught, you had no idea before I told you, you had no idea that immigration was presumed as a commercial activity. Now, I've said this on my immigration series. I've shown this in the fundamental law, but you've never heard that. You've never heard immigration was uh, presumed as a commercial activity. And so when you or millions of other Americans or your legislators, when they're looking at immigration, that's always being presumed as a commercial activity, which is why the federal government controls it. When you hear this for the first time, you're sitting here going, well, I've never known that before. 
And that's because we aren't taught our presumptions. We aren't taught how to identify presumptions in the law. This is because we aren't taught that the uh, government is an express trust. Because we don't know that, and this is what Dave Jose teaches. Go to Real Dave Cares for You on uh, Twitter. He teaches the fundamental law. The fundamental law is that America, in America, the government is an express trust. It's written down. So if you have something that's not written, you're presuming something. We have not been taught it's an express trust. Attorneys are taught, well, it doesn't say you can't do it, which means we can, which is wrong, which goes against the fact that it's express uh, trust, right? So whenever this maxim of law is saying, the law compels no one to show that which he is presumed not to know. So if Jaron is just a normal random dude, it is not my presumption to know that immigration is a commercial activity. It, don't, don't, don't miss that. Go slow. Go slow. If the U.S. Congress is only granted the power to regulate commerce, and it's only given the power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization, then if you are in Congress, you are presumed to know the duties and the powers that are granted to you in the Constitution. Make sense? So if U.S. Congress is presuming commercial enterprise by immigration, the law can be made to show them that they can't do that, which is what we're doing. So in the law, the contrary to a, a statement can also be valid. In this case, when this says the, con the law compels no one to show that which he is presumed not to know, the opposite is true. The law does compel people to show which they are presumed to know, which means if you are a servant in government looking at the express trust of the Constitution, what's expressly written is only what you're allowed to do. And if and you're supposed to know that you're presumed to know that because you raise your hand and swear to it. So when you raise your hand and you swear to it, you're presumed to know your powers. So the maxim that says the law compels no one to show that which is presumed not to know is all is saying the same thing as the law compels one to show that which he is presumed to know. Which means whenever we send this to our legislators we're or the, the governor or whoever, we are telling them the law is forcing you to tell me where you can presume that. Where do you get that presumption? This is powerful. All right, here we go. Please take notice that the Supreme Court declared the state's sovereign powers of police were not within Congress granted powers to regulate commerce in 1837. Folks, this took me a long time to find and a long time to read. This is a great opportunity to join that patriotswitch.com slash Jaren to say thanks because look at this. This is the Supreme Court in 1837 ruling on what? The nation's first um, immigration act. Right, so the the Steerage Act of uh, 1819, the one where the the U.S. Congress would regulate the quality of the boat, right, for people coming here, that right there was tried in a case called New York versus Milne, 36 U.S. 102, 1837. I guarantee you've never heard of this, but this is what that case says. And just so you know, let's go to the uh, this. This is New York versus Milne, 36 102, 1837. Okay, and this says this. 
the state has at the same has the same undeniable and unlimited jurisdiction over all persons and things within its territorial limits. Stop right there. Do you see the power of that statement? We're about to address the next part, but do you understand the Supreme Court 1837 said the state which is in this, which is in this case New York. New York which is the same as Oklahoma, the same as Florida, the same as Texas, the same as Wyoming, the same as Washington, the same as whatever, has the same undeniable, so it's obvious, you can't deny it, and unlimited, which means you can't constrain it, you can't restrict it, you can't control it, you can't regulate it, jurisdiction, which is power, right? Juris, right? Diction, words, the right words. It's got the power over the words. It's got the power, right, over all persons and things within its territorial limits isn't that what we're saying here we're saying that it is an express trust we're saying that congress was granted the power of naturalization we're saying that the very first naturalization act was about people who were physically in the country and we're saying that the very first time that the u.s congress tried to do anything in uh uh what's it called immigration was the steerage act of 1819 Commercial. Does that make sense? Folks, the federal government has never had control over the people physically entering states. Ever. It's never had that power. It was never given that power. It has abused its authority to regulate commerce so as to act as though it has that power. Replay that last 45 seconds 50 times in a row. That's what you need to clip. The states are sovereign. The, st the U.S. Supreme Court right here is saying it has the undeniable and unlimited jurisdiction over all persons and things within the territorial limits, which is why every single state constitution tells you its geographical boundaries. Why does it do that? Because when you enter into the state, you are under the jurisdiction of that state constitution. That's what it means. Now, it'll say this next part, and this is where you, this is where our bad knowledge is going to be tested. This is where you need to deal with your cognitive dissonance. As any foreign nation where that jurisdiction is not surrendered by the Constitution of the United States, this is where your bad knowledge will start to fight you. This is where the leftists, this is where the Marxists, the globalists will start to fight you. This is where the attorneys will start to fight you. This is where the people will say, well, the, the court says, blah, blah, blah. When it says not surrendered, what does it mean to surrender? Means give up, right? To quit. In this case, if powers are granted, that means the one who grants them is doing what? It's giving that power. So when the U.S. Constitution was given power by the people... That power that was given to the Constitution in an express trust came at the cost of the state governments. So then you have to look at exactly the powers that were given to the federal government to see what was surrendered to the Constitution. Now, if the Constitution is an express trust and the express trust does not include the word immigration, 
then immigration was never surrendered to the Constitution, to the U.S. Constitution, which means nothing in the federal government has authority, has constitutional authority over immigration. Does that follow? Yes, it does. But I have no feedback, so there we go. So, um, so that, by virtue of this, what, what is the this? By virtue of this, by the goodness of this thing, what's the thing he's saying? The thing is that power is granted or it's prohibited. You can't do that, you may do that. You can't do that, you may do that. The U.S. government, the U.S. Constitution, which forms the U.S. government, did not give immigration power or power over immigration to the feds. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. And we're about to see it. It is not only the right, but the bounden, I think that's the burden. No, bounden, bounden, so like you're, you're bound, right? You're bound, you're handcuffed, right? You're tied. The bounden and solemn duty of a state, of a state, not the federal government, a state to advance the safety, happiness, and prosperity of its people. What are we arguing up here? We're saying public safety, why are we doing that to the governor, to the speaker of the house, and to the senate pro tem? Because they are at the state level. And the state has the what? The undeniable and unlimited jurisdiction over all persons and things within the territorial limits. Okay? So it's not only the right, but the bounden duty solemn, uh, of the state to advance these things and to provide for its general welfare by any and every act of legislation which it may deem, which it may deem, which is subjective language. I deem that to be so. I determine that's the case. I have deemed you unworthy. I have deemed this dangerous. That is subjective language, which means that there's discretion there. It doesn't mean that they have a list where they have to mark off everything in order for it to be deemed dangerous. So if, if you say, as the grantor of political power, if you by right send this to your people and you say this is dangerous, this is an issue of safety, they can deem that the case, right? So it may deem to be conducive to these ends where the power over the particular subject of the manner, in this case, the particular subject is unlawful aliens, people who are in America without right. You can't just come here just because you want to. That's the whole immigration series. Links in the description below. You can't come here just because you want to. It may deem, okay, I already read that, particularly to the subject of the manner of its exercise and not surrendered or restrained in the manner just stated. You can't be restrained or restricted in the manner of providing the things that you have the undeniable and unlimited jurisdiction to do. Mm. You have never been taught this. You have never been taught. And I, I don't say that to, to flex or to say, oh, look at me. I'm saying that because this is why tens of millions of people are coming into our nation and not a one person knows how to actually articulate it in the law. That, like you're going to say, well, yeah, it's, it's an invasion. Yeah, it's an invasion. No, 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 no. The feds have no power over this. Period. Period. You saw what Abbott did two weeks ago where he literally declared an invasion and he literally said, for the safety of Texas, we're gonna block the border. Why not go one step further and say, for the safety of the people of Texas, we're gonna have to deport all these people. We're just gonna kick them out. 
We, we regard it as an unlawful invasion, an encroachment on the rights of the people, and uh, an, an obstruction and an attack against the public welfare of the state. You are an enemy if you come here unlawfully. You are an enemy. We will deport you. Same thing Oklahoma. Same thing uh, Florida. Same thing Mississippi. Same thing Ohio. It's the same issue. Public safety. Now look at this. As though any of this was ever questioned, this is the Supreme Court in 1837, that all those powers, all of those powers, which relate, oh shoot, 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 did the thing, which relate to the merely municipal legislation, municipal, city. So now we're talking about local government. Local government. Do you see how there's a difference between local and not local? So all those powers which, re which relate merely, which is simply, plainly, all those powers re which rely merely to the municipal legislation or may perhaps more properly, I should say properly, more properly be called internal police are thus not surrendered or restrained and that consequently in relation to these, the police powers, the authority of the state is complete, unqualified, and exclusive. That right there, that's your dagger in the heart. There is no federal power, no grant of authority to presume immigration is commercial. Moreover, when the states declare an emergency because of an invasion and an imminent danger to their people, they cannot be constrained. They cannot be bound. Their authority is complete, unqualified, and exclusive. This is why no one's stopping Abbott, which is why it's an issue of courage. Do the people in office have the knowledge that this tells them and do they have the courage to stand on it? Which is why it's our job as people to tell them the law. Let's move on. Where there is no authority to establish, there is no necessity to obey. If the feds tell you one thing regarding immigration, you can ignore them if their presumption is commercial and that goes against your uh, power to keep your people safe. This is why you, the people, saying that this is a danger is so critical. You have to tell your state people that this is a danger and you want them to say that. You want your people to start saying invasion, danger, uh, risk to public uh, safety, threat to my life. I don't want to be raped. I don't want to be killed. You have to start communicating like that. Stop saying federal immigration law because all federal immigration law is presumed commercial. As soon as you do that, you're granting the presumption that it's commercial. Stop granting the presumption that it's commercial. Start telling people you are afraid. This is a danger. People are going to be killed. They're going to be raped. Stuff's going to get broken. You have to use the right words. All right, please take notice that I demand you show me anywhere in any constitution the authority granted that the federal government to presume immigration is commerce. Folks, the reason why I'm so strong on this is because this right here, this case right here, literally says immigration is not commerce. <laughs> if I can find this, uh, let me cheat. Let me cheat real fast. I do this. Commerce, right? Uh, da, 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 da. Um, so see, it's, it's it's a commercial issue. 
it goes down here. Um, uh, da, 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 because they were subject to commerce. Okay. It, it says, like, so this case tells you that, uh, oh, that, here you go, here you go, here, watch this, watch this. Persons are not, are not the subject of commerce. Right there. The reason why, the reason why I say here, I demand you show me anywhere in the Constitution, show me anywhere in any Constitution the authority granted to the federal government to presume Im immigration is commerce is because I know that persons are not commerce. How do I know that? Because the Supreme Court declared the law. Persons are not, are not the subjects of commerce. And not being imported goods, they do not fall within the reasoning founded upon the construction of a power given to Congress to regulate commerce and the prohibition of the states from imposing a duty on imported goods. Boom! That right there is the key to tens of millions of people coming into this nation unlawfully. That right there. Persons are not the subjects of commerce. The federal government, on every legislation regarding immigration, presumes commerce. You can't do that. 1837. And what does uh, Maui say in Moana? What can I say except you're welcome? <laughs> it's just, you, you gotta... It's, it's evil. It's wrong. I don't like it. There's a lot of bad people who have been going on. A lot of human trafficking, drug trafficking, sex trafficking, a lot of lawlessness. It's destroying America. It's replacing the people here. It's bringing a lot of people that are uh, foreign actors, mil potentially militants uh, into the nation. I, I, I have been a, an advocate for no immigration since uh, October of 2019. At some point, you got to recognize you have to be able to say what the law is. And right now, I'm showing you the law on immigration, and no one's ever shown this to you. No one's, no one, no one is advancing this argument in the law. Zero, but zero, zero podcasters, zero podcasters are telling you what the remedy is. Failure to show me this authority means that immigration is not commercial and not within the granted powers of the U.S. Congress. Folks, we are going after all of this. We are splitting up the band. We are splitting up the states from the feds. We are driving a wedge in between them by saying states have the power to police for safety, happiness, and prosperity. The U.S. Congress has the power to regulate commerce, which does not include persons. You can't bring in persons as an issue of commerce, period. That's what we're doing. Here we go. Here's the remedy. And I don't normally show stuff like this because it loads it up with a bunch of stuff, but I want people to actually write this. Please take final notice that it is my demand that you immediately clarify and declare the invasion by unlawful aliens as an imminent, as an imminent danger to the public safety. Now this, understand my language in this paragraph is uh, so, it includes specific stuff, but it's broad because I want it to be sent to state people and federal people with the same idea. So I don't want to say, use your state constitution if they're a federal guy, because they'll be like, that don't apply, even though it does. I don't want them to do that because people don't know. So the language is, I want you to declare this publicly in whatever area you're in, Okay. Um, by unlawful, unlawful aliens is an imminent danger to the public safety and that you do immediately, uh, we'll do that, immediately declare uh, the U.S. Congress does not grant 
U.S. Constitution does not grant powers to regulate immigration, and that you do immediately declare the sovereign power of the state includes the police power, which allows servants in government to arrest and deport unlawful aliens, and that you do immediately use your granted powers in the constitutions to defend the people against every act and artifice presuming commercial activity that facilitates immigration into the states and the United States. We want them to turn on anything that goes after H-1B visas or any of that stuff. Go after it all. Should you believe I am wrong in the law or that you were granted constitutional authority to presume immigration is commercial? Now, look at this. There is no constitutional authority to presume immigration is commercial. I showed it in the 1837 case. I showed it because it's an express trust. The word immigration is not in the Constitution. So there is no constitutional authority to declare this. You may submit affidavit sworn under penalty of perjury and postmarked within three days. You can do five, seven, however many you want. But I want to dial down, I want to dial up, I should say, the pressure and force these people uh, to comply. Uh, the address below, the evidence or constitutional provision that grants you the power to presume immigration is a commercial enterprise. I'll just say this, is commerce. Uh, immigration is... Presume immigration is commercial, or by tacit acquiescence, you agree to all statements herein, and this notice shall stand as evidence against you in all courts of record, and no court may rehear this matter, that you attack the people and the public safety with full knowledge, malice, and intent to weaponize unlawful aliens, to invade the, the, the nation, destroy the body politic, breach the trust of the constitutions, and use prohibited powers against secured constitutional rights. Any response... Submitted under penalty of perjury is a non-response and stands as consent and agreement to all statements herein. Then you want to say, please take notice, all valid responses may be mailed to, and then you type out your address. Uh, so name, address, uh, uh, city, state, 740, and then your zip, or whatever zip you're in. Uh, please take notice, this is sent to you, the love of Jesus Christ. Now the distribution. I always come down here, I bold that. You're going to send it to your governor, state speaker, state senate pro tem, because you want these dudes to do what Abbott's doing. You want these guys, right now, to use the powers they have uh, to defend you, right? Okay, then you also want to go to your federal delegation. Now, you can pick and choose. You know, if you're in California and you got like 80 million people at the federal delegation, don't do that because, you know, it'd be expensive to send all this stuff. You want to send it to the Supreme Court justice that oversees whatever circuit court you're in. For me, I'm under Neil Gorsuch. So all my stuff always goes to Neil. And then I would send it to Jim Jordan. And then because there's people with big platforms like Matt Gates, that dude uh, talks about immigration. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene talks about immigration. I would send it to anybody who... Uh, is supportive of stopping immigration because what you're doing is you're giving them the fundamental law regarding immigration in America and you, know, you equip them with this talking point they can then go to their bully pulpit and whip people by banging the drum on the same ideas but ultimately uh, you send this uh, in the law you are you are binding them this notice is going to serve as evidence um, against them if they don't do it. So as things continue to go towards the fundamental law, as people continue to read their state constitutions and look at what the fundamentals are, um, more people will have the knowledge. As the knowledge grows and expands, the truth will out. People will behave it. They'll believe it. And so they'll start to enact it. And this is how you get your nation back in law. This is how you get the remedy.
I want to point this out to you. I want to give this uh, notice in this stream to you because this this is your remedy. If you have the podcasters or whatnot, send this to them. Send this to uh, you know. I try to keep it short. That doesn't happen. But um, this this is for this is for the people. But this this is real remedy, folks. This is real remedy in the law, showing in the law where they can't do what it is that they're doing, and people aren't saying it. They're not saying it. Uh, for the skeptics or the cynics that come out, well, but there's no guns and there's no nothing. Listen, if think about this. If any of these politicians want to level up to the next level, which I know Kevin Stitt wants to be president, I know Charles McCall wants to run for governor, I know Mark Wayne Mullen just got elected to U.S. Senator. He wants to be there for a long time. I know Kevin Hearn is probably going to look at uh, Oklahoma governor. Uh, Josh Perkins a good man. I know he wants to do righteousness in the eyes of the Lord. Um, you know these other people. I think they're you know I think they're stupid. Um, but um, my point is they want to get reelected. And the more, at minimum, they want to get reelected. Uh, and so the more people who understand the law, the more people are able to apply the pressure. But for these people that want to level up, Kevin Stitt wants to be president, McCall wants to be governor, this is time for them to make themselves known uh, so that the people can vote them in. And you got to understand, if they want to do righteousness because it's uh, politically convenient, I'm good with that. Because we then get righteous government. And so think about this. The more people who understand this, the better chance you get righteous government, which the more people who understand this, they won't let it go back too bad. Because they will know. Because we don't know. Because we've rejected the knowledge. Hosea 4 and verse 6 says, My people perish for a lack of knowledge, for they have rejected my knowledge. They've rejected God's ways. We have rejected the foundation, and so we get unrighteousness and lawlessness. Folks, none of this matters if you do not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins on the cross. He was virgin-born, sinless throughout his whole life, and he finished his earthly ministry by taking the cross and conquering all powers and principalities thereon. When he died, or when he was on the cross, he took God's punishment for sin. Our sin, my sin, the private ones you don't know about, the ones that I will never know of you about. When Jesus took that punishment, he then and died, he established a new covenant. He was buried. Three days later, he physically rose from the grave. When he came out of the grave, he told his disciples, go teach the nations to obey. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach all the nations to obey all my commands. And then he'll be with us always for the end of the age. The issue is you need to be in Christ, not have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's not in the Bible. Not to have the sinner's prayer. That's not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach that. If our constitutions are trust indentures and strictly bound to what they mean, then you need to read the Bible to get to be in Christ. Right, So in Christ is Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27, when it says, For all ye are children of the Lord Jesus Christ, and for, you have, for as many of you all who are children have been baptized in his name. You must believe the gospel that Jesus took your place, that he was a qualified um, uh, sacrifice, that he perfectly fulfilled the law, that he was buried and physically rose from the grave. You believe that, you are then called to obey the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 7 says that Christ will return to punish them that have not obeyed the gospel. 
To believe and obey the gospel is to respond the way that Jesus tells you to so that you are in him. That means that you believe the gospel, you repent of your sin, you confess that Christ is the Lord, and you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. When you do that, you are in Christ. You are in him. And now he blesses you. He gives you the benefits of being in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3, the whole very first half of the book, is all the blessings that come from being in uh, the kingdom. Uh, it's, uh, it's knowledge, it's grace, it's liberty, um, it's, it's, uh, all, I mean, it's all sorts of things. It's everlasting life with God. Um, there are so many benefits of being in the kingdom. But if you are not in Christ Jesus, you are going to go to hell. So if you, uh, you and I are sinners, if you are not in Christ Jesus, Jesus will come back and he will punish you for your sin. The gospel is for all people. It's an invitation for all people and all people must look to that gospel and they must answer it. Do you believe it? Did you obey it? If you did not believe and obey the gospel, you are not in Christ. This matters because the Bible tells us what to think and not doctrines of man, not labels, not denominations, which are divisions. I mean, think about that. If, if the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, when, when Paul starts to um, you know, lament the fact that there are divisions forming in the body, he says, don't do that. Who are you baptized in? Are you baptized in Apollo? Are you baptized in Paul? Are you baptized in, in this person? He says, no, 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 you're supposed to be unified in Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, there is one faith, one baptism, there is one body of Christ. Believe the gospel, my friends. Appreciate your time, Lord willing. We'll be back tomorrow. The best way to help me is to go to patriotswitch.com slash Jaren, sign up. Someone will be in touch. Take the shopping you're already doing and switch it over. It's a blessing to me. It'll be a benefit to you. I have learned to save money. The products are better because they don't have hazardous industrial chemicals. You are not feeding the beast that perpetuates and advertises lawlessness, wretchedness, licentiousness, and you are able to do things with your money that you probably aren't doing, which is to support American manufacturing, which is one of the ways that we need to restore this nation. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I am Jaron Jackson. I do love America. Do not quit. Go to war.